Welcome to The Founder's Mind, a podcast powered by the Kadar Group. This is your host, Adam Mutchler. On this episode, we have Svi Band, founder of Contactually, acquired by Compass Real Estate in 2019 after the recording of this episode. Listen in as Svi shares how Contactually was created, the lessons he learned along the way, and why building relationships is such a priority. Svi, thank you for coming on The Founder's Mind. Thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, super amped to be here at Contactually's headquarters. Uh, you know, a lot of glass, a lot of white, a lot of cool, cool seats. I saw the the uh, massage chairs in the front. Yeah, just to be clear, like this office should not be reflective of us or our culture. Like this is uh, this office is way too nice for us. Like for if sure. you'd seen our previous offices, you know, is an 1850s stove factory, like dogs running around okay. and everything like that. Because more more reflective, we look. We went to this. We're like, oh, this is not this yeah. not us. But I mean, we where are the it. adults? You know, did we walk into the wrong office type feel? Exactly. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's a great location if you're familiar with D.C. Uh, and DuPont. Um, it would be great to start with just a little bit. What is Contactually? What, what, do, you, what are you all doing here? Uh, a little bit about you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So Contactually, we are a intelligent CRM platform focused on relationships. Uh, we serve a number of different industries uh, within professional services. You know, when you think about any kind of relationship-driven professional, they're really motivated and by knowing that relationships are their most important asset and how you grow that asset. Mm-hmm. Um, our biggest market that we that we focus uh, most of our time serving is the residential real estate industry. Um, eight of the top 20 brokerages in the country are customers of ours. Um, and so we founded in 2011 um, to have around 65 employees and um, we've raised $12 million in capital to date. That's no joke. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, I listen, you know, one of the things as a founder, you know, I still always kick myself because, you know, seven and a half years ago, this was an idea in Evernote. And here we are, you know, all these people, you know, executing again on an idea that was written down one day and customers trusting us and paying us, you know, you know, six, seven figures sometimes, you know, for the services we provide. It's a, it's a great honor. That's amazing. So I think that's a, that's a really great place to zoom in a little bit. Just an idea in Evernote. Where did this, the idea come from? I mean, how did this evolve from nothing to something? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like many other founders, you know, it did start off with a, a personal pain point. You know, I think the underlying thing for me as I kind of you know, review my, you know, my life and my early career um, I'm actually a very introverted person. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, when they meet me, um, they wouldn't necessarily be able to tell that, but I am very introverted. However, relationships and having the right reputations and having the right people know me, that ended up being one of the best assets I had. So, you know, went first was a government contractor right out of school, then became CTO of an enterprise software company that was acquired back in 2009 and then started my own consulting firm and was working with amazing, amazing brands doing these really great projects. Um, All because honestly, the right people knew me and I had the right relationships at the right time. Um, Just be clear, I had no idea what I was doing when it came to (laughs) business development or sales. Like many people, it just kind of stumbled your way into it. But I saw that this was so incredibly powerful and this was such an amazing tool for me. Um, So I, I figured out, well, how can I 
figure this out. You know, I would meet someone for coffee and then two weeks later, completely forget about them. Or I'd be so focused on whatever is at the top of my inbox that, you know, if I had sent out a proposal a month ago or a client project had ended, I would never remember to follow up. So I said, well, how can technology help us build and maintain those relationships? Yeah. So it, it was really just like out of the pain point of what I saw and not really finding a fit with existing CRM solutions. Um, start off as just a small internal little application. Um, happened to show it to a few people and started using it. The company you're working at. Yeah. So I was running a consulting firm. You know, I was using it basically to manage my own business development. Um, but started very early on seeing that, like, all right, this maybe this has legs, and started doing customer development on it, and that kind of just started steamrolling. And I knew that, you know, for me, the consulting work I was doing was a means to an end. I didn't want to build a consulting practice. I didn't want to be in the services business. Mm-hmm. My passion is building a product, mm-hmm. and so this happened to be the um, a really great option. So uh, we kind of kept working on it up until we received an offer for funding, and that kind of ended up being the catalyzing moment that said, all right, this is no longer just a little side project, but this is what we're going to be focusing on. What was that time frame? So you, you had it internally, you're using it to sort of you know create more efficiency for your workload. Yeah. You started showing it to some people. Honestly, it's pretty quick. You know, I, I first wrote down the idea May of 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, my engineer at the time, who ended up becoming one of our co-founders, started working on the prototype with me in June of 2011. Mm-hmm. I think we were finished in July of 2011. Um, you know, kept kind of working on it and doing little bits and pieces throughout that summer. And then it was October of 2011 that we received the offer to fund to fund the company. Um, and did you already have customers using it? I mean, no, was we it had, still like very much idea stage. It was but it pro- had, there was something there. Yeah, there, it was prototype. There was definitely something there. You could tell, like, okay, this is something. Yeah, um, we did have probably around 100 early beta testers, okay. and then a number of other people that said, "Hey, we would use something like this." Yeah. So it was enough to say, "All right, there might be a business behind this." Mm-hmm. Um, and back then, at least, you know, um, incubators, we were with 500 startups. We were, I think, their third batch. You know, it was admittedly pretty easy. You know, as long as you've got some engineers and a prototype, yeah. you know, they'd say, all right, sure, like, we'll fund you. And so, you know, nowadays we know kind of the, the, um, the barrier has, you know, the barrier entry has definitely gone up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we knew that there could be something behind there. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Were people paying with the 100 betas or were you kind of just giving it? Out, I mean, it was free, but one of the things that we did early on and that was formative, and honestly, I think a big part of the success we're very thankful for now is it definitely was free, but we knew that this was going to be a premium product. Yeah, this wasn't going to be like Plaxo 2.0, just get as many free users as possible and then figure it out later. That really wasn't what we're going to be aiming for. What we were trying to achieve was all right, is there a business model behind this? So even when it was free very early on, we still, for example, put everyone behind a pricing page. Like we had everyone go through a pricing signup page where you know, they had to pick what pricing, what pricing plan that they were going to choose. Got it. Right? So small things like that. And then when we added credit card functionality, we didn't require people set a credit card, but we showed that that was there. And some people just kind of started just filling in credit card info. But sure. from very early on, that kind of helped us set on the path of like, all right, 
who are the people that would pay for this product? And then what are the features and functionality and value that they're looking for that they're going to be paying for? Which I think was critical to putting us on the path that we are now. I always find that interesting. Sort of what is that transition from, again, from the idea to someone else believing in it, to someone using it, to obviously generating revenue. Yeah. And admittedly, like it definitely took some time before, you know, the paying customers weren't like people that like I knew personally or we had done so many customer development interviews. They were like family to me kind of thing like that. You know, now, of course, you know, someone signs up with a credit card. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, 12 more today. Um, but, you know, but, and, but it still just like kicks me. I'm like, wow. I remember like when we got our first customer that I didn't know. Yeah. It was like such an amazing thing. Well, do you remember when that was? It was I think it was sometime like early 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So 2011 to 2013. Yeah. We started the company late 2011, yeah. um, kind of launched the private beta in early in mid 2012. Okay. Um, started kind of trying to charge users late 2012. So yeah, was, you know, so then, you know, we were still kind of, you know, obviously like we were doing the customer service, we were doing the sales. Yeah. Who's we at this point? Like it was mainly myself, and my two co-founders. Um, and then, you know, had to start building a small team mm-hmm. uh, in late 2012. And, when did you go? When did you sort of start letting go of the consulting and moving into this full time? Was it when you got funding originally, or yeah, it's when we got funding. That was very important. I, I really needed, and what I, I'd struggled with previous projects in the past because I would treat them as like side hustles. The problem is, you know, when you have you, know, we as human beings were wired for short term rewards. Yeah. And when I was you know, evaluating you know, in my head, right, like all right, well, here's contactually. It's not going to do anything for me now, but it could be life changing later on um, versus consulting where, yeah, it's not a long term thing, but they're offering me, you know, X hundreds of dollars per hour right now to do the work. I choose the consulting work. And so what I really needed and what I was thankful for behind funding wasn't really necessarily the money. Um, It was more it was a burn the boats moment. Like this was a time to say, all right. Contactually, we are all in. You know, my co-founders quit their jobs. You know, we all kind of you know said, "All right, this is it. We're co-founders. We are building this company." Um, and no one did anything else. Yeah, um, you know, I'm always again. That's I think an interesting inflection point. When do you go all in essentially with your time? It yeah, varies. And I think people listen. I I applaud people that can can multitask like that, you know, can that can have side hustles. I think that's really strong. I can't, can't rule that at some point in the future, I might be doing other small things on the side. And then some, one of those, some of those take off. Um, But I truly believe there has to be some kind of, you know, come to Jesus moment um, where a team has to decide, all right, we're going to take this seriously because otherwise, you know, you're at risk of it being just a side hustle. For sure. Um, Something that was coming up when you were talking about sort of the early, early stages of contextually and it was it started as an internal tool is how much of that initial product is still exists in today's product? Yeah, well, the funny thing is, like, it's still the same code base. It's just been like, obviously, now of seven and a half years of development on top of it. So uh-huh. there's still someone can still rewind way, way back in our code repository and see things. OK, um, there's still a lot of I would say of like our very initial like product, yeah. yeah, it's completely different. But the, still, the idea was there. What, which is, how do we 
leverage the data that you're already generating mm-hmm. um, to help you identify what are the actions that will I can take that will help me build and maintain my relationships. Yeah. Right. So yeah, our, our first product was hilarious. It annoyed the crap out of everyone who used it. Um, now, of course, it's a very different story. Yeah. yeah. Annoyed the crap out of people. AKA was like clunky or no, like literally like what we would do is we um, similar to today, we would pull in all of your email contacts. Now, of course we do you know, much more than just email, we yeah. do calendar, social phone, text, et cetera. Um, but what we social do then, media. yeah, but we, and then we'd find data from social media and others, but then anytime you would email a contact that we didn't know, we would add it to our database and then we'd email you to say, hey, we don't know who Adam is. Mm. Um, you know, do you mind replying back to this email and telling us a little more? Um, and so that was great. Like, cause we thought that was great. Like, yo, know, they wouldn't have to leave their email. They could add stuff to their CRM. Um, <laughs> but what turned out is that literally, you know, for, for most people, every time they sent an email, it would be to someone new or someone we didn't recognize. Oh, okay. So for every email they sent, we would send an email to them, which way they, they would have to then respond back to. So they literally doubled the amount of email that they had to deal with. Oh, um, great idea in theory, terrible in actual practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, you know, but from that, we obviously were able to pivot and learn. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed at all of our early prototypes because that at least got something in front of users where we could start understanding and start learning. Yeah. You know, they would say, I really hate this. What I need is this. Mm-hmm. And then we would build that. And they were like, no, 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 you don't understand me. I want this, not this. And kind of, it was hundreds and thousands of conversations like that, that end up getting us to where we are today. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, what's in your role as a founder and, and, and as an executive at this stage, what's a piece of advice that you've received along the way that comes to mind that you felt was really impactful? Yeah. Um, really comes down to three words and I, uh, I didn't handle the early days very well or early the, the early years very well, right? I still actually struggle you know, again, seven and a half years. We're now, you know, eight figures in revenue. I still have this survivor survivor mentality where like my job and my my mindset with this company is like, hey, how do we just survive another day, month, year, et cetera? Um, and so it really took one of my advisors. I'm forever thankful. Like he could tell that I was just down in the dumps and just freaking out. And he was like, just have fun. And I think that's what I coach every single founder, right? Cause as you know, you, you meet with many of them, you've had many of them on this podcast. Um, we're not always a ha- very happy bunch. It's lonely. <laughs> it's hard. It's scary. And I think it's very important that you have to remind yourself, Hey, this is fun. I'm doing something I want to do. Yeah. I'm building a dream that I created, right? Like this is, this is awesome, right? I, I still kick myself that there are, you know, 60 some odd people on the other side of the store that are executing on an idea that I created that we've tens of thousands of customers. Like this is so much fun for me. Right. And I have to remind myself and, you know, obviously you've seen the research that in general, like mindset follows actions. And so if you actually remind yourself and actually like, Take the actions to remind yourself that this is a fun experience, that you should smile in the office, that you should be happy about what you're doing and thankful for everything that your mindset then follows. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think and I I don't remember exactly what Steve Jobs would say, but he there was he had this practice where he would look at himself in the mirror 
and you would say like, is he enjoying himself or is he learning, you know, in his yeah. role? And if there were too many days in a row where that wasn't the answer, because it also might be that you find yourself at the end of a, a road, a, a journey, right? But if it was too many days in a row where that wasn't the answer that he would, he decided he had to make a shift of some kind. Yeah. What that shift was is unclear. Absolutely. And one of the other tools that I've found to be incredibly important is gratitude, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of great tools out there. There's the five minute journal or just, you know, sitting down and, you know, figuring out what you're thankful for. But like, again, literally one of the tricks that I've implemented now for the past three years is, you know, as you know, like if people ask you, Hey, like, Hey Adam, what's up? You know, you may say, Oh, you know, just keeping busy. Oh, things are great. And I actually now have like trained myself to say, Oh, a lot to be thankful for. Right? Yeah. And I say that probably a couple dozen times a day. Right. Nice. And I don't even notice it anymore, but like it does, you know, obviously trigger that response to people like, Oh, well, what are you thankful for? Mm-hmm. Right. Or that's cool. Right. You know, it's good to that you're responding is no one just wants to hear, Oh yeah, just keep them busy. Right. You know, a lot of things <laughs> going on, right. A lot of irons fire. Who cares about that? Right. But if you like, you know, but I, I do find I am genuinely nowadays grateful despite all the challenges, all the crazy things going on. I am genuinely grateful for everything that's happened. I have zero regrets. And I hate to say, I think in part it's because of small little tactics like that. Like I am just going to always say a lot to be thankful for. I think it's a really, I mean, it's really important. And there's this element of, you know, how are we programming ourselves? Yeah. And it's linguistic and it is, it is the little things and the little habits that we pick up. You know, I think about unconscious bias a lot. And then I think about where am I, you know, what's, what information am I consuming? What media am I consuming? What music am I listening to? And realizing that all of, a lot of that is subconscious and that it's wiring my unconsciousness. And that's where a lot of these thoughts come up. Yeah. And so whether it's how you talk to yourself, how you respond to other people, like you said, there's a lot to be grateful for, you know, focusing on gratitude, you know, it's compounding. Yeah. Right. And it's crazy, like, because I, even when I'm doing it, like, I hate to say it, like, I, you know, I know, I know the founders of, uh, you know, Five Men Journal pretty well, like, but even still when I'm doing it in the morning, I'm like, oh, what, what is this doing? Right. Yeah. But then again, you're like, oh, I feel better in the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. I feel good that I did that. Visual journaling does help me. Right. <laughs> you know, when I, when I think about what I'm grateful for, that does make a difference. When we start off meetings with bright spotting, instead of just immediately jumping to here are the problems of the day. Right. It's like, Oh, our attitudes change. We are friendlier with each other. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I, I am a very tactical person. I always, I, I hate theory. I just like tell me exactly what I should be doing right now. Um, and so I find just implementing those tactics have been game changing for me. Yeah. No, and I think it, it is, it's, it can be subtle and it can also be very blatant. The impacts of those little shifts. Yep. You know, and I think meetings is a great example. So many times you go through a meeting and it feels like you're slogging through something and everyone leaves. And the question is, what did we do that? Like, why did we spend the time doing that? What is the point of that time that we just spent? You know, um, and it does make a big difference. I just think it's, inter- it's an interesting call out. Hi, all. Quick break to tell you about the Founders Mind Plus. It's all the interviews of guests you love, plus bonus episodes with additional stories and anecdotes, shout outs in future episodes of founding funders that could be you, and opportunities to get some cool swag from the show. You can upgrade by following the link in the show notes or go to thefoundersmind.com backslash plus. Thanks for following along. Back to the show. Um, I am curious, you, in 2013, you had this growing team, but you're at 65 people now. Yeah. 
you know, so over the last five years, what kind of what has it been like to grow a team and a, and a company from, you know, a couple people working on something to, you know, pretty decent size? Yeah, um, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. There, right. I, honestly, like as a founder, I'm going to say just very challenging. Right. Sure. Yes. You, again, you could say like, yes, it's great. And it's amazing. And you bring all these amazing talents, but it is very challenging building a team. Um, and a lot, we've made a lot of mistakes. Um, and even still nowadays make many mistakes or aware of many mistakes that we've made or are making. Um, but I think, you know, what matters is like, we've been resilient enough that we keep trying and we're at least open to discuss the mistakes that we've made. You know, we even did that a couple hours ago. Um, and so that's been, that's been important, you know, probably one of the hardest things, you know, that again, like, you know, everyone thinks, Oh, this is amazing, but it is actually hard if you're a founder that you were kind of doing everything yourself for yourself in a small team. Yeah. So now, you know, you have 65 employees and like, no, they're doing all the things yeah. and more that you were doing. Oh, well, what do I do? Right. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, I always have to warn people is like, well, is that going to be something you're excited about? Right. You know, so I know a lot of people who are makers at heart, like whose passion is building software or getting on the phone themselves. Well, how can is that are, are you going to be really happy when the team comes that gets to that size? Right. Now, luckily, listen, I, I find plenty of ways to enjoy my day and to like you know, love my team. Um, I have embraced servant leadership and that I've been doing that throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you know, they're definitely like, you know, major challenges, but again, I think the, the reward is worth it to be able to say, Hey, you know, we again, continued building something from, you know, a nothing, just like a little, literally an idea to, you know, now an eight figure company. Yeah. What's one of the hardest things you had to let go of as the team grew? Um, product initially, mm-hmm. like, you know, especially like me as CEO, there are so many hats a CEO has to wear. Um, can actually like obviously like the product 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 has taken a very different direction than when I initially conceived the idea, um, and so it's no longer my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so probably one of the hardest moments was when and it took my co-founder sitting down and saying, "Hey, Zvi, you have so much else going on. We need someone who's really going to be exclusively focused on product." Yeah. And that was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, of course, like you know, still miss product. I still love what we do. I may not be engaging with our engineers or PMs on a daily basis per se. Um, I'm not telling them what to do. I'm not sitting on product meetings, but this is still my passion, right? And so um, to be to go from a guy who was a software engineer, and this is you know, I still have the original wireframes, you know, on my <laughs> on my hard drive behind Contactually in our first user interviews, um, to say, oh no, I, I don't do product anymore um that was a big thing and i, I worked to correct that and i worked to make sure i still stay very involved but uh it that's been an interesting transition yeah i, I mean i can only imagine it. it's, it's such an interesting uh thing to think about there's this one of the things that i talk about is scaling yourself from founder to executive yeah right and what your company needs from you as a founder is different than what your company needs from you as an executive yeah and it's very different it's fascinating like and i think it has on the flip side, it's unlocked things I didn't even know I had. Yeah. Right. So I taught uh, my friend Todd Herman has this book called The Alter Ego Effect, and that kind of many of us have you know, untapped skills and traits that we didn't even know, or that sometimes we can switch on or develop or grow. And for me, one of the things I've actually fallen in love with, I never ever thought I'd say it, is sales. 
I love the sales aspect. I love working with our customers. I love going to conferences and speaking and working a room and driving amazing opportunities that our sales team then runs with. I love building those relationships. That's been amazing. And again, if you go back uh, you know, to, you know, 2007 RSV, you know, software developers, you know, sitting in a cubicle in a government consulting firm, I'd say you're out of your damn mind. Um, but I love it. And so that's, um, so, well, yes, I've obviously had to give up certain Legos that I'm very passionate about. It's given way to, um, to let me pick up new skills that I will now, you know, forever be thankful for. I, I say this a lot in the show. I think that's a great point because I, I learned so much from, from the guests of the show and also everyone has these different lessons that they've picked up or yep. things that impact them. You mentioned earlier that you're, that you have, you know, introverted preferences. What's that like being a bit introverted, but also being on the sales side? Cause there's a lot of assessments that we make about introverts. Yeah. And, and we assessments that we make about salespeople. Yeah. And there's actually been a number of like, mo- Bet, like number of studies come out like Dan Ping for example has yeah. you know come up with like to sell as human yeah. he kind of noted that like actually like you know the best you know the best salespeople aren't necessarily extroverts you know they tend to be more ambiverts or you know, introverts and I've seen a lot of actually really great relationship builders similar to me be introverted mm-hmm. right and I think it's because I'm not a I'm not an extroverted person I'm not comfortable working into a room working a room that means when I do I'm much more strategic and intentional around it. Like if I'm going to work, if I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here for an objective, right? I'm just not just going to go and like, just hang out like I'm at a bar. Right. Um, it is really funny though, that like most of my friends know me as a very quiet reserved person. Um, even my family does, but then, you know, you put me on a, you know, on a conference, you know, conference floor and I'm just completely different person. Right. And I have noticed that sometimes I actually do like, switch that on. Like I walk through the threshold of a hotel and I'm like, all right, I'm suddenly a different person. Um, (laughs) I I have noticed some more extremes like that. Um, but it has been a a fascinating experience. So I think one of the things I'm most thankful for about, um, the founding experience is it does give you this platform upon which you can learn and experience new things, right? I would never, ever think about applying to a sales job ever in my life. Right. (laughs) Um, back then, but now I'm like, well, yeah, no, like if you want me to, you know, help, you know, help drive large business deals. Sure. Absolutely. Like, you know, just tell me where to go. That's awesome. And I, and I think in there is this idea of allowing yourself to be a beginner and sometimes having to be a beginner, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Right. In all sorts of places. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind that you've really feel like you've transcended or learned in the founder experience? I mean, what happened? I learned, right? Yeah. You know, it's you're building a business you know, from scratch, right? So, yeah, I think there's you know there's no shortage of things that I've learned. Um, you know, for example, you know, yes, I took you know, took basic accounting classes in school, and I did like the whole ten day MBA, and of course, that's in one ear out the other. But all of a sudden, when you know, you're reading a PNL and every every cell of every line matters to you, right? Always in like, oh, now I can read a PL and understand a cash flow statement, balance sheet, things like that. You know, it's things like that that I've picked up. Um, obviously, like, you know, I think the most important thing, um, and this is no surprise, you know, I, I love the quote by Lao Tzu, you know, the, you know, um, 
you know, the person who conquers others is strong, but the person who conquers themselves is mighty. Mm -hmm. And so I think my underlying lesson has been that I cannot control anything else but myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how do I, you know, control my own mindset, make sure that I'm making the right actions, make sure that I'm saying the right thing at one point in time. So I think this journey has had me be more introspective than I ever thought. Right. You know, I think so many of us go through life just going through the flow. Um, and I've, you know, I think as founders, you naturally have to swim against the current and that takes an, you know, aspect of mindfulness and self-awareness that, you know, most others just never really have a need to develop. Yeah. yeah I think that introspection is, uh, is key. And in that quote that you just shared made me think of the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Yep. Right. There's just this, there's a deeper level out there. Um, who's a founder that you admire and why? Oh man. You know, honestly, I think, you know, I, um, it's really hard to figure out like any one founder that I respect the most. I think one of the people that I do respect locally, um, Reggie Agarwal, the um, founder and CEO of Cvent. Okay. Obviously, really great, incredibly successful company. You know, when you talk to him in person, you know he's been running Cvent for sixteen plus years and has no intention of doing it anytime soon. Which is such an interesting thing of bucking the trend of like you know. Generally, the general attitude of startups for technology these days of I'm going to build a company, I'm going to pump it up, then we're going to go public and I'm going to leave or <laughs> we're going to sell it, I'm out the door and to say, hey, I'm building a long running company. Um, that's fascinating. Again, like I hate to say it, like, you know, I started Contactually when I was you know, 28. I'm not going to be running this forever. You know, I don't even know if Contactually is going to be around in five years, let alone two years, right? And so to be able to say like, hey, no, this is, just what I do, um, and this is who I am, that takes a, a completely different uh, personality trait than I think most of us have. Yeah. And I think it, it is different. And there is this mentality of, you know, build something and exit, mm-hmm. um, which has become the sort of the sex appeal of entrepreneurism, at least in, in the modern era. Yeah. A lot of people, I, I hate that term of like, you know, work, uh, you know, like, you know, work harder than you've ever worked in your twenties and thirties. So you can retire at 40 kind of thing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, but when you speak to like, you know, most, I hate to say like, you know, more like real authentic entrepreneurs, like, no, like it's the, quite the opposite. Like we're never going to retire. This is who we are. Right. This, and that's what I'm so thankful for. Um, so, but yeah, that does kind of fly in the face. The fact that like, you know, most people aren't starting a company saying, Hey, this is, what I'm going to do, it's like, you know, as entrepreneurs, you're kind of like, you know, there's a little bit of shiny object, object syndrome at some point, the sheen wears off and you say, Hey, I'm not learning as much anymore. This isn't interesting for me. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's, I just, I find there is this, you know, the internet and social media and everything has created this really wild persona of entrepreneur. Oh yeah. There's like the, the whole, like you know, hustle porn kind of thing, yeah. right? You know, that, Again, you know, I think it serves a purpose, yeah. but you know, I, uh, you know, once you're in it, right, you're like, oh, this is a very different world. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is, and you have to be. I think to to some of the comments you've made in, so far, you just have to be all in. Yeah, you know, like you have to have the energy and drive and focus that will help you get through some really really challenging moments. And like you'll want to quit. Yeah, over and over. Again. And I think the most important thing, right, and this is where you know 
co-founders, family, coaches really make a difference is the battle is always within, right? You know, I, I heard the line recently that, you know, most companies die by suicide, not homicide, hmm. or the number one reason why, you know, a company went under is, you know, the founder just gave up. Yeah. Right. And I, I credit again, a lot of our, you know, the success, you know, as much as we've had it so far to just us not giving up. And that still counts today. Yeah. I mean, I'm really biased when it comes to that perspective, because I totally agree, right. As a coach and working in the leadership space, I really think about and help people think about how are they, how are they working with themselves and working with their team? Yeah. Right? I mean, it is a big part of it. I think companies fail for the reasons you just listed and usually money, either you can't raise or raise money and get revenue or the team starts to unravel to some yeah. extent. But again, like, you know, you hear all these stories and I, I'm not, I don't advocate this, but like you hear people that are like, all right, they can't raise money. So therefore they're running everything on credit cards. You know, they lose all funding and spend everything. So all of a sudden they are, you know, they're sleeping on the floor of their server room. Right. Yeah. I think there are extremes, of course. And I think everyone has to decide like when and where they give up. Like for me, like, you know, with a wife and a daughter and family and everything like, no, I'm not going to necessarily say, Oh, by the way, I mortgage our house again. You know, I'm definitely <laughs> not doing that. I know people who, who have and yeah. who will and who do. Okay. Like understand that. But I think, you know, it is okay that to say that everyone has a certain quitting point, but it's still the realization that companies die mainly because the team running it gave up. Yeah. Or yeah, totally. Um, What's something that you've learned recently that blew your mind? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's hard to pick any one thing. I think the underlying trend that blows my mind is that our understanding our users, even seven years in, I am still blown away by understanding what our users like and don't like. So, for example, you know, I thought that um, for us that, you know, one of the features we have is that you can connect your calendar and pull in all of your calendar events, things like that. For me, that's one of my most useful things, right? I live or die by my calendar. My calendar is a representation of who I'm actually meeting with and talking to. Um, it turns out like in literally this was an action an hour ago. Um, you know, that's turns out to be one of our least popular pieces of functionality. The calendar integration. Yeah. In terms of like what, what customers find value out of. I'm like, wow. really? I also what? live and die by my calendar. So yeah. That sounds great. And again, like, you know, that's one of the things like it's, it's yet another lesson of like, Oh, I'm not, I am a target user, yes. but I'm not our target users. Right. right. And so that's been great. Right. And that I think it takes like, you know, obviously like, thank God, you know, my team doesn't listen to me for a lot of these <laughs> things. Right. Cause otherwise I say, Oh no, calendar is the most important thing. Let's yeah. keep investing. And they're like, Oh no, maybe we won't I'm like, Oh, that's great. Right. And you're not in product anymore. Exactly. Not at least not full time. Yep. Um, speed. This has been really, really awesome. I've appreciated what you've shared and your insights. I think the last last question would just be for anyone that's interested in following along in your entrepreneurial journey or the work that you do. Is there a good place for people to follow you to say, hey, to 
See what's up? Yeah, luckily, um, there aren't too many VBANs in the world. Mm. Um, so if you just Google VBAN, ZVI, um, the last name band, like rock band, um, that's pretty much all me. Um, so you can go to ZVBAN.com, find me at Skivas on Twitter, ZVBAN on Instagram. Uh, and um, I actually, if you're interested in more of like what we do, um, you can look look up Contactually. That's contact and actually. Um, just contact.com. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Founder's Mind. Check back weekly for full episodes. If you like what you're hearing, sign up for The Founder's Mind Plus for two to four bonus episodes each month in addition to the full episodes and other dope benefits. Sign up for The Founder's Mind Plus through the episode notes or by going to thefoundersmind.com and clicking the plus link. To make sure you don't miss any awesome wisdom from guests and stay up to date on the most recent episodes of the show, be sure to visit thefoundersmind.com. You can also follow along on social at The Founder's Mind. Last but not least, thank you to Roy Matz for the music on this show and his dope editing skills that make The Founder's Mind possible. Until next time, take care. In a world going through all of this insanity and try to bring new ideas, make them a reality. Illuminate in the thoughts, make it a priority to implement what you learn, what you get is what you be. In a world full of noise, hard to find that clarity to try to lead subtly, never full of vanity and try to change something small or try to change humanity. Power forward through the dark, founder's mind is what you see. Mind is what you see.